Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. We have been going through a series of sermons in our church. We're just walking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to be over in Matthew chapter 6. If you've got a copy of the Bible, pull it out. If you don't, there might be some pew Bibles, y'all. These are called pews. Some of y'all never sat in these before in your life. They're benches with some little cushions, right? And underneath is a surprise. It's a Bible. And you can find it and get over there to Matthew 6. Um, y'all, we've been going through this thing. And as we walk through it, this is what's so great about just walking through Scripture. You walk through Scripture, especially walking through Jesus' teachings, you're going to encounter Jesus talking about all the big things in life. So it should come as no surprise to us as we hit sort of the very center, really with last week and this week, the very center, the very heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, Jesus talked about money, and if there's anything that could be maybe more weighty, more really getting into the heart of who we are than money, it is Worry, anxiety, and fear. And that's what he's going after today. Um, y'all, I, I know saying that we're going to talk about anxiety makes the anxious people in the room anxious because you get anxious when you hear about anxiety. So uh, listen, I, what I'll tell you is that this is, this is, this is pretty personal to me, um, this particular uh, spot in Scripture, because, y'all, I think the biggest victory that the Lord has given me in my adult life, spiritual victory, is um, in the area of anxiety. I am by nature... Um, the way sin is, expresses itself in me a lot is anxiety. I worry. In my family, I'm the anxious one, and Courtney is what we'll call the chill one, okay, if we got to put them in two, two buckets there. Um, and in 2010, that really came to a head for me. We had two young children. Um, both of those young children had, I'm talking like one and a half and eight months or something like that, or maybe two and one. And anyways, both of them had been to the ER when they were really little, and we were... Um, with going through that, all of a sudden, whenever they would get the li- just a little cough, a little sniffle, y'all, I would get really nervous. I'd get scared. I'd get worried. So if some of y'all have been um, battled with anxiety, you know what this is like. Actually, to the point where I would lay in my bed completely paralyzed by fear of what's going to happen. I couldn't move. That's how much anxiety, afraid of what's going to happen if, because I can't control their health. That's what I was realizing. It all came to a head August 27th. Um, 2010, I'm taking a nap. This is my birthday. I'm taking a nap because that's how parents of new kids celebrate. They just sleep, right? That's where we can. And I'm sleeping, and um, I wake up, and my heart is racing. My left arm's completely numb. I'm like, well, I've never had a heart attack. I don't know what a heart attack is like. I've heard something about your arm. No, I, I don't know. So, I, of course, I start worrying, right? I go to Courtney. Like, I think I'm having a heart attack. She says, you're fine. Would you stop worrying, right? Because she's chilling. So she said, if you want to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. I got kids to worry about. I ain't got time for you. So <laughs> I drive myself to the doctor, right? I'm at the, the doctor's office, and the doctor said, you're not, your heart's fine. You want me to check it? I was like, yes, please. So he checks me, checks me out. I'm not having a, um, a heart attack, of course. I'm having a panic attack. 
And some of you have ever been there, you know what that's like. And he said, even so, t- I, my muscles were so tense, I was so wound up, that actually pinched a nerve in my neck and it sent my left arm numb. And he said, the prescription I'm writing for you is to calm down, right? And that's like, <laughs> hands it to me. I'm like, wow, thank you. Um, but there was a, what I realized that day, and, and it took, y'all, that's 2010, in eight years, I would not say I'm standing up here as a, a champion over anxiety, but that the Lord has given me some victories, is that I realized in that moment how much anxiety and fear is a spiritual matter. And that's what we're going to get after today. Because all of us at one point or another, this is so brilliant that Jesus will put this right at the core of it. Because down at the core, anxiety and fear, we're going to talk about this today, is trusting yourself and your ability to control things more than trusting God and his ability to control things. That's what Christ is going to go after. And listen, all of us are going to deal with anxiety. Like, I'm talking the real stuff, right? I'm just talking about some casual thing. I'm talking about the real things of anxiety that are the big matters, the big rocks in your life. And so whether that's a medical diagnosis that you didn't expect, right, or a job that you lose, or a friendship that really gets fractured way down deep, maybe it's a kid's sickness or whatever else that could be, that's going to come in our lives at one point or another, that, that temptation to fear. And unless you think this is a sermon for anxious people, here's the reality, y'all. Y'all chill people in the room, you don't know how to handle anxiety. So y'all go off the deep end. At least we anxious people, we know the feelings and we have coping mechanisms. They're not healthy, but we have them, okay? Y'all go, we all need to lock in to what Jesus is saying here to us about anxiety and fear. And here, I, I was trying to figure out what's the big, the big take, take home, drive home here. Here's what I realized. Down at the core of Christ's teaching today is a simple truth that runs through the core of Scripture, but it is so pivotal, pivotal, and he's going to drive it home, and it's three words. God loves you. God loves you. And if you will lock on to those three words that you've heard before, you got to guard your mind against letting that wash over you like I heard that before. No, no. you got to lock in right here on each one of those words, on God and who he is, loves and what that means, and on you in particular, not just general everybody else, but you in particular. And if you'll lock in on that truth, man, it's going to set some of y'all free, free from the paralyzing fear, the anxiety monster, as I'm probably going to call it, a few times today if we'll lock in. So we're going we're gonna to work through this passage, starting in verse 25. Uh, the way I've kind of, if you need an outline of what we're kind of notes to take, that sort of thing, I've just decided to kind of call this God's promises for anxious people, okay? Because we're just going to see a whole bunch of them. I think I'm going to point out, I don't know, seven. I, I forgot, to, forgot to count them. There's a lot of them. Here we go. Verse 25, therefore I tell you. Now the therefore, just real quick, that, that's a bridge connecting us back to what he Just said, so around last week, he just finished a talk on money, right? And every time you see a therefore, a little Bible reading, uh, Bible reading coaching, whenever you see a therefore, you need to go back and see what it's there for. Go back and look and make the connection over to what you're talking about now. The last verse ended saying you can't serve God and money. If you remember last week, we said you can serve master money, you can serve master Jesus, but you can't do both. And when you give away your money, when you release your grip on that, you give that away to God's mission and his purposes, it frees you from enslavement to it. And you're actually free now and free to worship the Lord and free to let Jesus rule in your heart. And now Christ is saying, as a direct product of what just happened there, freeing yourself from master money, as a direct product of one who's chosen to surrender their lives to God, 
here's what you get. Here, here's the product of that. Y'all, it shouldn't surprise us that Christ interweaves anxiety and money, right? In fact, in Luke's gospel, it, it flips. He talks about anxiety and then he talks about money because they're so interwoven with one another. And all you need, to, if you've ever had any money, then you've been anxious about money. That's just the reality of it. All right, do not be anxious about your life, he says. Therefore, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Now, again, if you're prone to anxiety, I understand the worst thing you can hear is do not be anxious, right? Now you're going to be anxious about not being anxious. I get it. Um, Listen, there's one command from Jesus in our whole passage, right? This is the negative side of the command. There's going to be a, a positive. Jesus is saying, in light of who your master is, that your master is Jesus, right? In light of this deep truth, Jesus is going to keep showing us today that God loves you. In light of that, Jesus is saying it's going to give you the power to stop being anxious, to stop fearing, and the power to start doing something, to start living. Because all that mental energy you've been channeling into fear, Christ is going to say, I, you can, it doesn't just go away. You can't just stop being anxious. Some, it has to go somewhere. You can't just stop fearing that thing. Instead, he's going to say, no, I'm going to give you somewhere to put that, and that's coming towards the end the end of the passage. But he's got to take a few minutes to help us see the problem, where fear is coming from. Because listen, we'll never ask God to deliver us from a problem we don't think we have. We have to sit in and and see what's going on here. Anxiety is a form of fear. You know, the, the most common command in all of scripture is do not fear. 366 times. That's one for every day, and leap year when it comes around. We got, he even added that one, do not, why so much? Why would he put this in so much? Because we humans are unavoidably and irreducibly hope-based creatures. How we live in the present is controlled by what we think will happen later. If I think that I'm gonna get an A on that test, that exam coming up, I don't need to study today, and I won't study today, right? If I want to get a spot on that team, right, if I want to make the cut, I will practice a lot and hone my skill in hopes that I'll be able to make the team. What we believe will happen tomorrow directly informs what we do today. But then anxiety, listen, this is our response to finally becoming aware that we can't control what will happen tomorrow. That's anxiety, no matter how hard we try. So Jesus just drives straight to our most fundamental physical needs, bare necessities, food and clothing. He says, is not life more than food and the the body more than clothing? So right here we find God's first promise to anxious people. Here it is. True life is more than food and clothing. Maybe you need to think of it as true life is more than stuff. Even the, not just the like, the extras, even the fundamental stuff. There's so much more to you than what you have or don't have. Listen, you gotta consider physical life can't be sustained without food. You'll freeze or be in complete shame without clothing. Without these bare necessities, your body will die. And I think Jesus is saying, even those who would take away the bare necessities cannot take away your life. They can't cause you true death because they can't, They can't take away true life because true life is eternal life in Christ. So they can't take it away. Paul even says, to die is gain. Uh, Luke 12, 4. What does Jesus say? I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. Because after that, they have nothing more they can do. 
that Jesus is saying there's something out there that is far worse than death. And that thing that's so much worse than death, that thing can never happen to those who are in Christ. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Second promise right here is looking, looking at the birds. What does he say? God. I told you, God loves you. You need to look at every single one of those. Your heavenly Father, right, the one that controls the entire ecosystem and has laid it all out so that the birds are fed. Jesus wants you to reawaken to how big your heavenly father is. He rules over the heavens. He was there before the foundations of the world. And he put the whole world into motion and set it up so even the birds get food. And you know, he put those birds there as a comparison so that you could look at them and you could hear him say, I love you so much more than I love birds. Birds are dumb and dirty, right? They're not made in my image. All right, but you, you are made in his image. You are called sons and daughters. Y'all, God loves you. You believe that. He treasures you. He values you. Here's here's the second promise, and I word it this way because some of y'all are gonna need to just say that and it's gonna stick with you. God loves you more than birds, okay? That's what you need to go home with today. Birds eat berries and worms, and God has taken all the time to make sure they can eat, Listen, I know sometimes you get in an anxiety spiral. I'm talking real fear. Some of y'all got some stuff that you've been fearing. Maybe it's some, some past stuff that's causing you present fear, and you start to spiral in moments. And it's almost as if God is saying, look, if I can't get through to you right now because your mind's racing out of control, just listen to the birds chirp. I'm actively providing them food so that they can stay alive, so that they can chirp at 6 a.m., 15 minutes before your alarm was supposed to go off, right? And so as you wake up mad at them, you can also be reminded that the Father loves you more than them. In fact, you can look at that bird when it wakes you up and say, you know what, God loves me more than you. So there, you know, whatever you gotta do, right? He hasn't forgotten you. He loves you. He cares for you. So in 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you. Then Jesus gives a little twist with promise three. Look at verse 27. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now that Christ has comforted us with God's love, he drops a little logic bomb on us right here. I've told you that even if you're a skeptic, you don't believe Jesus is God, you can appreciate a lot of our wisdom from today came from him, and at least make you listen in. And we just have to own this one. Here's your third promise. Christ is promising you that anxiety accomplishes nothing. It's a guarantee. It accomplishes, it's 100% useless. It's a useless emotion. It didn't show up until after the fall, until after sin entered the world. So you got to go ahead Preach to yourself that you are not about to be undone by a useless emotion. Ain't nobody got time for that. Plenty of other things going on in our life. Worry, when we worry, we act as if we can control the uncontrollable. And central to worry is the illusion that we can control things. If I could just get my retirement plan right, then everything will be okay. If I could just figure out the right parenting formula and technique, then everything will be okay. 
Worry assumes that we can control the uncontrollable. And that illusion, that lurks inside of your fear. Right? Fear and control are two sides of one coin. When we can't control something, we start to fear. We start to worry about it. This old uh, German monk, I reference him from time to time in our church, named Martin Luther. Martin Luther had a, a good friend named Philip, also a great theologian, but Philip was the worrier. So if Philip was the anxious person, Martin was the chill one, right? And so when Philip would have given to one of his, like just really get wound up tight, worried about something, Martin would be the one to try and encourage him. But um, the way that the Philip tells it, he says, Martin would never tell me to stop worrying. Instead, he said, um, Martin would say to him, let Philip cease to rule the world. See, anxiety, it dethrones God from his seat as king, and it exalts yourself. But you make a terrible God because you can't control things. Thus, the worry and the fear. You can't worry and fear, and at the same time, let God be king. you got to stop trying to rule the world. Verse 28, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? This promise, it's a lot like the ones with the birds, but the ones with the birds is more about your value, and this one seems to point to you and I being eternal. Don't miss the setup. Bringing up Solomon is Jesus' way of saying, the richest man that ever lived. If anyone had fine clothing and a good shoe game, it was Solomon, right? Yet Jesus says, the lilies, and all the lilies do is exist. They're just there. He says, they're intentionally crafted by God. No small speck of creation anywhere is not an intentional crafting by God to point you to something. He's saying the lilies outshine Solomon, and he's going to clothe you better than them. Look, he can't be talking about our literal clothing right now, right? Because nobody, look at that, nobody has better clothing than Solomon. What's the promise? The promise that is in Christ, you will live forever in extravagant glory. This promise is far more than just God will take care of us. This is God is going to clothe you in nothing less than his radiant glory. Why do you worry about the clothes you wear? I'm going to dress you in my own glory. Why do you worry about your health? I will raise you from the dead for eternal life. Why are you worrying about a few dollars? I'm going to give you the whole earth as your inheritance. Why do you keep worrying when someone else doesn't like you? I'm going to let you live in the kingdom of my love forever. You know, God is giving you a future life that is radiant, it's indestructible, it's full of glory. That God, the God of the vast expanse of the glorious kingdom of heaven, he loves you. And one day, when you are done on this earth, you will be glorious with him in the next. Y'all, this promise goes to war on anxiety by appealing, of course, to the end of days. We become anxious because we can't control the future. The great news for those who follow Christ is that the future is glorious. It's more glorious than you could ever imagine, than you could ever craft if it were up to you. And I know sometimes in the period of, of a hard financial crisis, or maybe it's dark, deep depression, that stuff that nobody really knows about but you right now, you need to remember the end of all things. 
this world is not the end. This is a fleeting moment. But eternity is beautiful and good and good for those in Christ. Leads us right to our next promise, verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? He's summing up. Verse 32, this is important. The Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. Mm. This word seek here is basically the same as the word serve from his teaching on money. You're going to become anxious over the things you seek after. And in a really bold way, Jesus saying, he's saying, your anxiety is a behavior of Gentiles, or the way we translate it today, of unbelievers, those who don't have hope like Christians have. So here's the bottom line, the promise to you. Anxiety rejects the gospel. And you might need to let that sit for a second. Fear rejects the gospel. This is not warm and fuzzy, but you need to hear it. When you are anxious, what you need to begin recognizing is that you are acting out of some form of unbelief in God's goodness and in God's control. That's how unbelievers act. And again, I am not minimizing that thing that you are fearing, that thing that is causing you anxiety. Not in any way, if, any, if anything, I actually wanna, wanna elevate it so that you can really see it and see it for what it is. We're gonna talk in a second about the lies that we believe that lead us to the fears that we have. I know there are some dark things there, but in Christ, you get to start rehearsing that beautiful truth. God loves you. God loves you. In the middle of that thing that is so dark right now, God loves you. That truth has not changed one bit. God loves you so much he gave his only son to you. He gave you his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. That's what we, we, when we're fearing deep down, it's like at the end of it, somehow eventually we'll perish. Things will fall apart. The sky will fall. Wherever you go, when you go there, that's what you're thinking. And God is saying, listen, listen, if I loved you when you were my enemy, when you were actively rebelling against me, if I loved you then, so much that I put my son on the cross to pay for your sin and rebellion. If I loved you then, how much more will I love you now that you are a son and daughter? I haven't gone anywhere. I love you. Every single promise I'm saying today is for people who've received the salvation Christ offers. If you're constantly worrying, maybe you've never really believed this gospel. If there's a fear that feels like Jesus can't overcome, you gotta, be, you gotta be honest with yourself on this one. A fear that you were just like, I, there's this thing, and if I give it to God, I don't trust him, that he'll take care of it. If that's something you're, you're gripping, you are believing like a Gentile, like a non-Christian. Remember the gospel. In fact, we're gonna take communion later today, and the songs we're singing later today, it's all choosing to believe the gospel, remembering Christ instead of uh, securing ourselves in our fear. Y'all, anxiety is a monster. It'll eat you alive. And you cannot self-help your way out of it. Let me just spare you years. Stay away from the bookstore and the self-help aisle. It will not serve you. Some of you already know this. You need to be rescued from the bondage of fear. And the rescuer you need is Jesus Christ. God knows what you need in this world. But if you are seeking those things instead of seeking him, you've either never believed the gospel or you've forgotten it. 
Let me be clear, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, excuse me, salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. So, so we turn from our sin and anxiety is in that sin category. We return, we, we turn away from that sin where you've forgotten that God is your heavenly father, that God does love you. Somewhere in anxiety, you've forgotten that promise. You've forgotten that truth that he is all powerful, that he is good. Maybe you've forgotten his love, or maybe you've chosen to believe that that love is not for you. Oh, that's a lie. Let's keep going. There are a couple more promises. Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. To me, this is the, both the best and hardest verse in the whole thing. We finally get an action step. All right, some, something to do. Don't be anxious, but do seek, right? Seek, again, that same word. Don't seek what the Gentiles sought. Instead, you seek the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added. Look, the Lord's, the, the seek thing is really, it's, it's throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount. It's the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not mine, but yours. This is surrender and yielding to God's desires. Only one kingdom can reign. It's either his or ours. Now, how do we do this? How do we seek first the kingdom? Again, it starts with setting our hearts on loving what he loves. Your kingdom come, yielding. And y'all, by the way, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. That means we love what God loves. And what does God love? People. He loves people. His kingdom coming is him populating heaven. That's what he loves. And so when we seek first the kingdom, we become bold in advancing the mission of God. And anxiety, on the other hand, paralyzes the church from carrying out its mission. It does it collectively, and it does it individually. We become afraid of what people will think. We want the approval of others, thinking like Gentiles again. We've got to be so consumed with God's love that who cares if people don't love us? I believe 1 Corinthians 1-3 through 3 is pretty clear that we will always be outsiders, that we're never going to be the cool kids in Christ. So just get comfortable with that. We are not divas looking for cool points. We are heralds of a message of hope for people. That's who we are. One more thing here. The argument Christ has given is specifically that God will supply everything you need to do his will for his kingdom and his righteousness. Because sometimes people read this and be like, oh, well, this guarantees that God will give me food and clothing. No, no. He also promises we'll suffer. He promises some of us will be imprisoned and tortured, beaten and killed for following him. And he calls us blessed for that. We don't miss out on anything when that happens. The promise isn't God will keep you well fed with nice clothes. How shallow would that be? The promise is that God will provide everything you need as you seek his kingdom. So sometimes our prayers won't be answered. That doesn't mean our needs aren't met. Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, God, take this cup from me. I don't want to go to the cross yet. Not my will, but yours be done. Paul says, Romans 8, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And you know the first two things he said, never connected until this week. Neither famine nor nakedness. Neither lack of food nor lack of clothing. What shall separate us? Those things? No. No. No, nothing will separate us. Christ's love, even when we starve to death for Christ or are stripped naked by our persecutors, Christ's love is still there. And here's, the, here's where this comes to a head, y'all. 
We don't measure God's love for us by our circumstances. We measure it by the cross. And that will be something you need to rehearse time and again. Uh, my uh, grandfather passed away on, on Thursday. Man loved Jesus. Um, was a great just hero in my life, everything else. And I found myself, you know, obviously my, my dad, his dad's just coping with this. And we've just been um, just talking through it and everything. And in a moment like this, where it's really hard, those of you that lost a parent or grandparent, really hard. Um, and it's tempting to say, where was God in this? Where was God in this? This is real, right? Real hard stuff. And we have to remember, we don't measure God's love by our circumstances. God, where was God? He was on the cross, delivering us from sin and death. My grandfather, by God's grace, believed that. And so, yes, we're going to miss him. But our joy is that he is now healed and he is with his heavenly father. Where, where, where is God? He's right there with my grandfather. Right? There's something deeper Something deeper and in the midst of that, you got to remember, we don't measure God's love by our circumstances, but by the cross. God's love is unchanging. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. <laughs> I know that last line, by the way, anxious people's like, great, I got stuff to worry about today. I, I know. Um, listen, here's what he means, though. Don't worry about tomorrow. God's mercies are going to meet you here today. And God's mercies are going to meet you tomorrow too. Listen, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I often tell people going through grief, stuff like that. Go to Lamentations, going through a hard, confusing time. It's a whole book, this author yelling at God. And then right here in the middle of it, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Ever. Because God loves you. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So listen, this last promise, God gives new mercies each day for everything that awaits you. Every day. Which I don't have time to say all of this that I need to say, but you definitely need to get with God every single day. We press this in as a church because, y'all, when I sit down with the Lord, I think you need to do it in the morning, but I'm not going to tell you when to do it. I'm just telling you I have to do it in the morning because i got things to worry about during the day. And so as a, as a discipline every day, I'm like, all right, Lord, here's my calendar. Here's the people I know I'm going to encounter, let alone the people I don't know I'm encounter, know I'm going to encounter. So God, I'm giving you this. I said, Lord, give me mercies for today, for today. I want everybody that I encounter to know the love of Christ and the joy of Christ through their encounter with me. Y'all, he offers you those mercies for today, and he's going to offer them for tomorrow, come what may. God loves you. Do you believe it? Do you believe these promises? They're all just different implications of the gospel, which begins with those three words. I can't say it enough. God loves you. I want to take the last couple minutes, give you a couple of handles for this, how you fight anxiety using these promises. Proverbs 25.8 says, like a city broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. In other words, how can you get a grip? You need to get a grip when the barbarians of anxiety are rioting the streets in your mind. Let's, let's get some handles on this because, again, anxiety is going to confront everyone at some point. So here's, I'm going to call this a game plan. Now, like any game plan, once the first pitch is thrown, you don't know what's going to happen, but you can still be prepared for all the scenarios. That's kind of what these steps are. So here's number one. We'll go through these pretty fast. Give your anxiety a name. Give your anxiety a name. What are the things that cause you worry? Name them. Write them down. Say them to somebody. 
It's amazing how we start to think, man, there's a million things I'm worried about, a mental spiral, right? And we start to speak it. And even just speaking it, they start to lose their power and they start to lose their size and become smaller. Here's the second one. Identify how you express anxiety. Basically start to figure yourself out a little bit. What does it look like for you? Maybe you're like me and you lock up. Uh, I saw an article just this week, Kevin Love, forward for the Cleveland Cavs, he wrote an article about how he experiences anxiety attacks. And he said for him, it's shortness of breath and um, he starts to get really tired. It happened on the court just a couple of weeks ago and it was, as he said it, then all of a sudden all these NBA players start talking about how they experience anxiety. Maybe that's the way it happens for you. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's not physical, but maybe it's repetitive, obsessive thoughts. Like you go worst case scenario and then you put that thing on repeat at like 2,000 times speed. You're like, the sky's falling, sky's falling, sky's falling, sky, and you just go over and over with that. Maybe that's you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's anger, a short fuse. Maybe you escape. Escape into food, escape into drink, escape into Netflix, whatever it is that you escape into. Identify it. You can get an early jump on it. Number three, get a sparring partner. These are all set up for the last three. Get a sparring partner. I mentioned this a couple weeks back. Everybody needs somebody to encourage them in the gospel. But you really need somebody that you can text, you can call and say, hey, I'm losing it right now. And they can remind you of these promises in Christ, help you defeat the anxiety monster. Number four, here's where we start to get down to the heart. Identify the lie. Identify the lie. Worry always has logic. It's flawed, but it's there. If you have forgotten that God is in charge, identify who the hijacker is that is now running the show. When anxiety is raging, it's because we've stopped seeking after God and his kingdom, have started seeking after his gifts in some form or another. Identify the lie. Uh, me, late at night, this is the, one of the breakthroughs. I was thinking, okay, God, you don't love my kids like I do. I had to verbalize it because I was worrying. And the reason I was having these panic attacks is because I was convinced that God had abandoned me. I had stopped measuring God's love for me by the cross. I had started measuring God's love for me by the circumstances, and those circumstances were bad at the time, so I assumed that God didn't love me. I was believing a lie. And y'all, the enemy wants to put some version of that lie into your head and into your heart to draw you away from the love of God that is there for you. God loves you. He loves you. Here's the next one. Rehearse the gospel. It goes hand in hand with identifying the lie. I want this idea in your head, God loves you, this truth. Maybe you need to memorize this story today when a specific bout um, of anxiety, this teaching, I should say, um, this anxiety, when it hits you, you can ID it and you can fight it. Some of y'all just need to say, God loves me more than birds. And you just need to cling on to that right there. You gotta remember that God's love for you was shown in the cross. His love for you is in the cross. And listen, he didn't just die. He got up out of the grave. And his power to defeat the sin that entangles you is in his resurrection. He defeated death. He can defeat the sin. He can defeat the anxiety and the fear. I don't care how deep it is that you're battling right now. Man, uh, for me, it's Philippians 4, 4 through 7. I, I just memorized that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. The Lord is near. Give thanks to the Lord in everything and present your requests with prayer and supplication, and then with thanksgiving, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, that, that comes to me like that because I probably repeated it 20,000 times in like five days. 
okay? Because that's what I used. I was like, I'm going to stop believing the lie. I'm going to replace that lie. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and believe that truth and let that truth take root in my heart and slowly but surely began to lose my, and lighten my grip on my children that I had. Maybe you need to believe and memorize some truth from God's word, but rehearse the gospel over yourself. Lastly, go to your father. Talk to him. He knows what you need. Cast your cares on him. Look, you have, I hope you've heard this today. This is not trivial. You have real things that you're worried about. Go to God with them. The thing is when you do, you're gonna have to leave those things with him. You're gonna have to give them to him and entrust him with, that's what prayer does. It forces you to be humble enough to trust God with them and let go of them. Take the Lord's Prayer, use it. Start with God's will, God's kingdom. Even in that, you're gonna find worry begin to fade.